Hello, fellow explorers. Welcome to Siren Soapbox. We are on a mission to explore something new each week, maybe even getting out of our comfort zones, because that's where real growth happens. This week, the Sirens played a murder mystery game with some of our friends, and now we're here to share the experience with you, fellow explorers. A couple of weeks ago, we played a game that we purchased from Murder Mystery Games Company called Caribbean Cruise Murder Mystery. It was chaotic, it was fun, it was worthy of its own episode, so we released it. That's episode number 131, check it out. And we'll be releasing the video version of that game on our Patreon sometime this month. I think it that's an episode that translates really well to video, so hope, hopefully you'll check that out. But for today, we get to chat with Chris Hot Chris Hodson. He's the owner of Murder Mystery Games. We get to chat with him about our experience with one of their games. And before we get up on our soapboxes, just a reminder that if the conversation gets too intense, the safe word is mango. 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 First up on her soapbox is Jess. Well, this was my first experience with any sort of murder mystery game or anything along those lines, and it was so much fun. I actually have wanted to do like a murder mystery dinner or murder murder mystery theater. There was actually a um, pretty popular one back in Dayton where I used to live, Dayton, Ohio, Um, but I never got a chance to do it. So I was really excited about this. Um, Pretty nervous, too. And honestly, it was a lot harder than I expected, considering the amount of crime drama and murders, like novels that I read, it was actually a lot harder than I thought. I thought I had this in the bag, Um, but no, I did not. (laughs) But it was so much fun just getting to know some people that we hadn't met before, or I hadn't met before, and the folks that really got into it with costumes and everything. I wish I could have since I was at work. I did consider it um, since people at work already think I'm pretty weird. They really wouldn't have probably looked twice at it, but I didn't. Maybe next time because we should totally do this again. And it would really be so much fun to do in person if we could find a way to do that. Um, Let's add that to the list of Siren um, conference ideas that we've talked about when we finally do that. What do you think, Murray? Did you think that you had this in the bag? Well, I certainly did because I also enjoy a good murder mystery and I enjoy a really good murder mystery game. I've attended professional murder mystery dinners in the, in the past, which are always a great time. And once I even got to host an escape room type game at my friend's house for a Friendsgiving. I wish I would have put more time into planning that one, though. It could have been so much better. And then we talked about hosting a murder mystery game for the podcast, and it felt like a do-over. So after we signed up to play, Siren TC gave us all of our characters. We each got to play two and our character descriptions. I knew I needed a costume change so that other players wouldn't get my characters mixed up. Since we were playing via Zoom, I decided that I really only needed to swap out headpieces. Then there was the matter of the drink, Sandy Bottoms a tough luggage handler from East Germany, and Shona Round, the bubbly tour guide, certainly don't have the same taste in bevies. So Sandy got to indulge in a nice Hefeweizen, and Shona was an old-fashioned girl, much like myself. Oh, and Sandy Bottoms wore a sweatband, and Shona wore a sun hat. So those are my costumes, and it was a ton of fun. 
Choosing the costumes was just the beginning, though. I think most of us did a pretty amazing job staying in character. After two hours of gameplay, though, we didn't quite figure out who done it. But we did have a ton of fun. And I would love Jess to host another murder mystery game night. I'm thinking maybe a murder mystery for Halloween season. Ooh, let's do it. <laughs> TC, how much fun did you have hosting the murder mystery game? Well, I love games, so I loved everything about this activity. I was the cruise director, so it was my job to organize and run the event. The resources provided by the Murder Mystery Game site were great. They completely spelled out everything I needed to do, even for a virtual party. I will admit it was difficult for me to keep track of everyone and everything. It would be great to do this with a partner so that the two of you were organizing the things. I was so busy making sure I got people in their team rooms and that I gave out the clues that I had a hard time paying attention to some of the funner parts of the game. I really want to participate as a player the next time. I think that would be a lot of fun. But I would also plan another one. I think that would be fun. I think it would be cool to do like some kind of rotation with friends where you each take a turn hosting the party and you all show up. And I also bet you would get better at solving. You would get better at hosting and you would get better at solving if you did that on some sort of rotation. I think that would be a ton of fun. I love you could that also idea. invite. You could also invite complete strangers, which I think would be super fun as well. So I work at a really small independent school here on the island, and my school is going to do a face-to-face -face murder mystery as a fundraiser, and we're very excited about that. We haven't picked which game yet, but um, we have a meeting this Thursday to talk about that. I think it'll be a lot more fun than just hosting a gala where everyone dresses up and eats. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. I wonder, though, just how many murders one can experience. Chris Hodson claims, I have murdered hundreds of people in my life. It's not really the typical siren soapbox guest, right? Well, let me explain. Chris Hodson sells boxed and digital murder mystery games all over the world. He began running murder mystery parties in 1998 after seeing an old school job advertisement in a newspaper. Then in 2005, he bought the business. Chris's life motto is, work is for chumps. Maybe that's because of how he defines work. Sirens, please help me in welcoming Chris Hodson, owner of Murder Mystery Games, to this episode of Siren Soapbox. Woo! Welcome to the show, Chris. Hello, Sirens. Happy to be here. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a couple other guests tonight. Um, we have a a guest, Pam, who's a good friend of mine. I met Pam during her interview for a math position at the school where we used to work together. Neither of us work there anymore. Congratulations. Very early, <laughs> very early in our relationship, we both felt a strong connection. We are soul sisters. Pam is smart, funny, and an adventurous soul who never gives herself enough credit. I don't get to see her enough, so I'm super excited that she's joining us on this episode of Siren Soapbox. And she brought her own special guest with her tonight. Pam, do you want to introduce our next guest? Yes. Yeah, so this is my sister, Cindy. And when the murder mystery was about to happen, I told her about it and she was super excited and asked if she could join. 
And I said, absolutely. And so she sent the email in and um, she joined and then we were all in the big Zoom together and we had so much fun. Um, Cindy is, as I said, she's my sister and she's like so good to me. (laughs) She takes care of me when I come and visit her and we commiserate over all the things that are going on. So I'm super, super excited to have her with me right now while we sit here and listen to Chris, because this is going to be an extremely interesting episode. <laughs> so thank you very much. Thanks for joining Pam and Cindy. That was really exciting that you said yes on such short notice. Thank you. It's like <laughs> right before it happened, right? Yeah, I'll bet. <laughs> Welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Chris, we all played the Caribbean cruise game and we all really enjoyed it, but we're curious, which of your murder mysteries is your favorite? Well, they all have their own little special quirks. Uh, My favorite, and this probably doesn't uh, come as any surprise given what I do as a a job a lot of the time, is uh, we have a serial killer themed one. And uh, I really enjoy that one because it's, it's, very dark, as you could imagine. And uh, my wife and I, we always have a little bit of a celebration when people buy that one because we think that's good. There's someone like us out there who's going to have a good time and uh, enjoy the darker side of life. Is it based on, like, are the characters all actual serial killers? Yes, they are. Yeah. But uh, unlike real life, Ted Bundy's the one that gets killed. So uh, mm. it's a serial killer that gets killed by serial killers. Oh, well, that's yeah. good. That seems like yeah, full circle. a little justice. <laughs> he won't mind. He's, he's already uh, gone somewhere else. So that's right. I think he'd be cool with that. So you answered an ad in the newspaper. You know, I found jobs like that a long time ago. <laughs> and that's how you started hosting murder mystery parties. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about how you got started? Yeah, sure. So... I saw an ad, it was back in the pre-internet days in 1998. And, uh, well, the internet was around, but not as it is now. So I uh, saw the ad there. And interestingly, the ad said, you have to do something to stand out if you want to get this job. So uh, I had the ad about two months before the interview. And I sent them a, my application every day for two months. So they would have had a big stack of my applications. And uh, and that got me across the line. They were impressed with that and went to the interview and, yeah, started working with them and uh, did that for a few years. And then finally that that business wanted to change its direction. And so I took over the, the murder mystery side of things and I changed it a lot. It, it, back then, like I said, it was early internet days. So it was uh, yellow pages and newspaper advertisements but then I took it into the internet world and set up the websites and now it's uh, um, pretty much 100% of the sales come online now. Hmm. Well, we appreciate so that. So how many? <laughs> well, that's how a new development as well because of coronavirus. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah, so we didn't do virtual ones before. Um, it was always the boxed and the download games where you print the materials and play it in person and then... Uh, uh, an Australian company actually contacted me because they sold experiences here in Australia. And uh, when coronavirus hit, obviously no one was having experiences anymore. So they were desperately trying to uh, find other ways that you could uh, have an experience with a group of people. 
So they contacted me and said, can you do them virtually? And then that was where uh, the virtual idea came from. So did you develop all of the um, all of the virtual games for the games that you already had in your inventory? Yeah, that's right. So wow. uh, I didn't write any new games, but I had to develop, you would have used the way of sharing clues. So mm-hmm. I had to develop that software that you use to uh, share the clues and have the little separate rooms where, because uh, normally in person you're in a group, so you physically hide your clues from other people and you share them with your team. But online that's very difficult to do. So I yeah, had to set up that system where you can have your little room where you can share your clues with your team but not show those clues to the other teams. And then as the host, as uh, uh, TC would have realized, you she has all the clues and then she can allocate them out to the different groups. Yeah, it seemed very organized. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it really was. it's part of what I do as well because, uh, you know, the Murder Mystery website, I've, I've had a lot of experience setting that up. And uh, I've also done things like we've got a custom game as well where you can put all your own variables into the game. So when you print off the clues, it comes out with, uh, you know, your friends' names or famous people's names or whatever names you want to put in there and the murder weapon is ad- adaptable. So over 20 years, I've got lots of experience setting these things up and making sure the technology works, which is not always straightforward. But, uh, yeah, it, it um, trying to keep it simple, obviously, it can always be improved, but uh, I think... Just as it was uh, finished and we were using it, the pandemic came to an end. So uh, there hasn't been a lot of demand for the virtual ones, but I I would like to change that. I think people like yourselves, friends in different parts of the world, or uh, even uh, I think, Jess, you said you you played it at work. I'd love to see people on a Friday afternoon, you know, the different capital city offices or whatever, doing it as a team building activity. Yeah, Yeah, I agree. That would be fun. A fun office activity. So I'm sorry, I know that Chris, you just said a lot, but all I heard was the sirens can create a custom siren soapbox murder mystery game. (laughs) That's what I heard. Yeah. Put in names of like enemies and (laughs) (laughs) ex-boyfriends. Yeah, murder your ex-boyfriend for sure. (laughs) It's amazing. Yes, you can do that. So there's two ways we do that. Um, One way is uh, a completely bespoke one. And I probably do about four of these a year where uh, everything gets written from scratch. So you could tell me anything that you like and I'll totally write the murder mystery from scratch and, and make it custom. The online version is it's sort of like that, but obviously it's not as flexible. So you get to pick the murder weapon and who the murderer is and uh, which poison you use and those sorts of things. So you can customise all those variables but once you do that, uh, the materials are available immediately. The system generates the materials based on the information that you put in. And yeah, you can have your own custom event. And we sell quite a few of those because people either have particular things in mind or they want their friends to be the people mentioned in the story. L- lots of different reasons for using that one. Yeah, that sounds fun. I can see that being a lot of fun. Yeah. So, Chris, was it always murder mysteries for you or did you do a variety of different games? And were you like going into people's homes and hosting these games? Definitely, yeah. The company that I started with, they had two different styles of game. They had murder mystery games and they also had what they called time travel games. So 
you would uh it would be like the sydney olympics or go to woodstock or um, the 1920s or back to the medieval times so and yes that's back then it was all face to face so uh i would go to their a person's house or a business or could be anywhere i've been on uh trains and ships and lots of different places never been on an aeroplane that that's uh, that'd be a nice challenge if we did that but uh <laughs> yeah lots of different venues and you set it up, you get the group interested, you, you go and talk to people, and then you facilitate the game uh, with that group in costume. And, uh, yeah, you, you just try and make it as interesting and as fun for the people as possible, which 99% of the time you, you pull off. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes uh, workplaces, they, uh, they have this thing where they're very focused on making it a surprise. Mm. And then you rock up and then everyone's in their suit and they're exhausted because it's Friday night and they're like, what is this guy doing here? But apart from that, it's, uh, it usually works. And usually I can win most people over and get them on side. <laughs> so do you still host in-person games then? I do. So I changed the model uh, early on. So it used to be you had to have a host and now the model is a bit more like the model that you ran where you can choose. You can either just get the game and run it yourself, which is great, uh, or you can get a host. And we have lists of hosts on all our different websites in the different countries, and you can book a host to come and run it for you. And I still do that now. So I, I ran the one that you did. I did the Caribbean cruise. I was giggling before because I'm Australian. I say Caribbean, not Caribbean. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I did a Caribbean cruise on uh, on Saturday night and that, that was good. That went well. That was for a 50th birthday. Yeah. So I might have to submit an application and be a host here in Cincinnati, Ohio. That sounds oh, like that, a, you, would be really, you would be really good at that. So I'm just curious really quickly, Caribbean or Caribbean? Who Who <laughs> says what? Cindy, what do you say? Caribbean or Caribbean? Caribbean. Pam? I say Caribbean. Yes. Oh, sorry. Caribbean. Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, so I always say Caribbean unless I'm talking about Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, <laughs> it's the only yes. time I, it's the I, only time I pronounce I it that way. way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't correct. live in the Caribbean. So I don't know yeah, I, like if I live, maybe if I was talking about where I live, I would say Caribbean, but in my brain, it's Pirates of the Caribbean. So it's the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never uh, said Pirates of it, the Caribbean. It may be Caribbean. It may be Caribbean. I mean, there's the Carib Indians. That's where it came from. So. Right. Right. And the beer. We have to ask a local. <laughs> Can't forget that. <laughs> I mean, so Chris, I live in the Caribbean and so does Pam. And I, I don't ever hear anyone say like here, I can't think of anyone ever saying Caribbean. I think it's pretty much Caribbean when you're here, unless you're talking about the movie. And I don't know anyone who pronounces it Pirates of the Caribbean. It's no. always Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. That's I wonder funny. where the producers of the film came from. Because Australia, obviously, we have our uh, British colonial heritage, so a lot of our language comes from that. Yeah. I yeah. think it was filmed in Australia. No, parts of it were filmed in Dominica, which is a lot of it was filmed in the Caribbean. I don't know if there there might have been parts filmed in in Australia, but I know Dominica has a lot of locations where it was filmed. Listen, I, I am... 
I am only getting my information from the Johnny Depp Amber Heard trial. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <Wow. laughs> so, Chris, I'm curious if anyone helps you come up with the names and descriptions of the characters, because as the host, as the organizer, that was the one of the most that that was a lot of fun to just go through and read and. There are so many of them because I bought the big version of the game in case we wanted to use it for my school. And there literally are 120 or whatever. There's a ton of names with descriptions. So did, does someone help you with that? They do. I, I do most of it myself, but uh, I, I do put a few people to work. My wife, uh, she enjoys doing it as well, trying to come up with ones. Even the kids say sit there and try and come up with names. And uh, I've got a couple of friends, uh, Amy and Duncan, and I often text them when I'm coming up with a new theme and they sit there and they enjoy it too, trying to come up with different names. So it's just a, a mishmash. And sometimes with a new theme, you know, you get to 10 pretty easy. You start getting to 15, you're struggling. Uh, but <laughs> over time, you're, you know, I'll be driving the car and then some, someone will say something on the radio and that'll make me think of a name. And then I I keep it in the back of my mind and go and change one of the names to try and improve the names over time. There's one here named Lily Whiteass, and it's <laughs> W-H-Y-T-A-S-S. -S, and Lily Whiteass was born albino. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I just think they're funny. Well, All like the dad jokes. And I hope the she wears sun cream. <laughs> yeah, my tour guide, her name was Shona Round. And uh, Sandy Bottoms, I don't think her name really played into her occupation as much, but shown around no. was pretty good. Yeah, I try and match them. Obviously, I try and match them to the, like the doctor was Dr. Malpractice. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, where, where I can, I try and uh, match them to some sort of part of the story. But, you know, it's, it doesn't always quite work. But hopefully they're uh, sandy bottoms, you know, everyone's on the beach having a good time yeah. in, the, in the Caribbean, Caribbean. Heck yeah. So uh, you have been at this for more than 30 years. That's pretty impressive. What's your favorite thing about what you do? What's your favorite part of your job? Oh, I do like, I do like creating new stories. Uh, it, it is, it's, it's, to me, I, I always, people say, how do you do that? And I think, oh, well, you just sit and do it but it's uh it is challenging and it's fun because to have the story make sense and and give everyone the right motivations and um like you mentioned that you know you didn't uh solve it so that's always a really fine line I've I've been to a party one week with say the you know Hollywood or something and there'll be five teams and all five solve it. And then I go to the next party the next week with five teams and none of them solve it. And so trying to find that perfect balance where the information fits together nicely and allows, because the ideal outcome would be that some teams solve it and some teams don't solve it. That's, that's the mm -hmm. ideal. But as you can imagine, there's many variables, often uh, a few too many wines and, and scotches <laughs> come into it and then and not as many people solve it as they should. And uh, and then, yeah, it, some teams are funny. They get uh, very protective and I encourage them to share as many clues as possible, but they're like, no, these are my clues. I'm not sharing them. And that's obviously, uh, that's not the ideal outcome, but uh, yeah, but that's uh, creating them, creating the new custom ones is always fun. Coming up with the names is fun. And uh, actually going to the parties, 
you know, there's just, it's like anything in life. Um, TC, you're a teacher, you know what it's like. Sometimes you have a class where it's, you just nail everything. Everyone gets what you're explaining and it all goes well. And then you have another class where it just doesn't quite, nothing seems to gel. And uh, so it's like that with the parties too. All the parties generally go well, but then some of them, you, you just, they're amazing. Uh, you know that you've just helped everyone have a really good time and everyone's really enjoyed it. And uh, uh, you get lots of positive feedback afterwards, which is always really nice. Yeah. I can't wait to be a host um, for you. Hours. <laughs> <laughs> One of the key things, it, I didn't get people talking and giving each other a hard time enough because I was so worried on the amount of time that we were spending. Um, we did ours in in after everyone had had a full day of work. And so I knew that I had a limited time to have everyone's real attention, which was true. But I think that there's a real art to getting people to bicker back and forth and call each other names and sling mud and tell rumors. And I, I think that would make a huge difference on whether or not the different teams got it. And I don't think we had enough clue trading. I think people were really protective. The teams were protective of their clues. So that would yeah. make a difference too, I think. And I guess that's where a little bit of, um, you mentioned before about if you did it again, obviously a little bit of experience comes in. Because I know with the virtual ones, uh, I, I can't remember if this is mentioned in the book, but as the host, potentially you could have gone in and actually forced a trade. Uh, and I do that in person a lot where um, I'll go up to teams and if they're not quite getting it, I'll look through their clues and I'll just drop hints as to which clue is probably the one to pay a bit of attention to. And then um, sometimes I'll go and take their other clues and go and swap them with the other teams to just to encourage that trading. Because quite often um, uh, it's just human nature. It'll be, you know, one clue will say the murderer had a red hat and the next clue will say uh, Mur had a red hat. And then they'll go, it's got to be Jess. And you're sort of like, hang on. <laughs> How did those clues lead you down that path? But, you know, that's just, and then you're... You do a lot of winking and dropping hints and things like that to, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right, to help people put the pieces together. But uh, online, obviously, that's a little bit, uh, a little bit trickier. But uh, you can, as the host, you can click on those links, go in, and you can force a trade. Like you can send clues to other teams, and you you potentially could do that if you needed to, if people were being a bit protective of their clues. But uh, it's all part of the fun, isn't it? And um, did it make sense to people once once you read the story out and you told the final story? Oh, yeah. We were like, it's so obvious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah a lot I'm of people say go. that too. That's that's one of the challenges with the clues is uh, someone always says it's so obvious. And the truth is, if you've got the right clues, it will probably okay. be obvious to you. And if you don't have the right clues, it's going to be completely so I'll walk around and one team will go, it's so obvious. And the next team will go, I've got no idea. And then, you know, it's, <laughs> it's all because of what you've got and yeah, what, what combination you've come up with. And, and that's unique because every time, uh, you know, each group, every time I run it, 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 there would be an infinite number of combinations. So one time a, a team will just luckily end up with a combination of clues that really points them in the right direction. And then another time it's those, those, good clues are spread around the room. So it's all about the trying to trade and encourage people to do that as much as they can to put those stories together. 
Yeah, I think the other thing that made it a challenge is that we had a couple people that were either on phones or iPads. I think everybody probably needs to have a laptop so that they can really engage in conversation and read clues kind of at the same time. That was a challenge. Yeah. Yeah, For I mean, me, I had never isn't done it? this before. And so I was in that, I was just trying to understand. And 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 when we were going over the story, it was like, oh, he, these two were married. One of the characters, my character and another one were married and that was their son. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that they, they all have the last name. And it never even dawned on me or occurred <laughs> to me the whole time. So it was like, ah, that was wild. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and for me, when when the murderer was revealed, I was like, this person hasn't even been a blip on my radar, like not even at all. Mm -hmm. And maybe that person would have been on other people's, mm. but not not on not on ours. Well, we really also we had really small teams. There were only like, two people on each team, and I um, put the the murderer and the murdered the victim on the same team i did it on purpose but uh that was an interesting twist <laughs> that is funny i didn't even i didn't even pay attention to that until you just mentioned it mm -hmm. <laughs> sometimes when we have small groups in person uh if the groups are open to it i i give more than one character as you as you found to uh, uh to a person and i have to be careful that I don't do that. Like sometimes I've done it and I've realized afterwards I've pinned the murderer and the victim onto the same person. And then I usually, <laughs> I don't do it very often, but I've done it accidentally a couple of times. So I try and make sure that uh, that doesn't happen. It's hard to murder. Well, it's not hard to murder yourself, I guess, but yeah, I guess not. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, with that, the, the parties, I think in terms of size, the face-to-face -face ones, something around 25 or 30 people is, is the perfect size. You want enough people to create energy, not so many people that it's, um, you know, there's people on the fringes, but not so few people too that it's hard for, uh, for everyone to get into it. So, yeah, 25 or 30. We've done lots. I've done them up to 300 people. So they, you know, they still go well, but obviously there's different challenges there. And then I've done them with as little as six people. So you, you, you can make it work. Um, yeah, it's just uh, there's obviously different skills involved in making it work at different numbers of people. Yeah, I'm thinking, um, so my department about every year, every year and a half does a, a big meeting where we spend all day or sometimes it's a day and a half um, together doing team building things or we have presentations will come in from or we'll have people come in, executives from other areas of the business and talk to us about what they're doing, that sort of thing. But something like this, if you start it in the morning and then like, it would be like a break in between, right before the breaks, throw out those rounds of questions and give out clues and you could just like play it all throughout the day. And that could be like a way to close up the professional development day or whatever. Yeah. That's that a good idea. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. I like that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm gonna talk to my boss about it. <laughs> normally at conferences because we do do them at conferences or training days quite a lot but usually it's in one go after the day when everyone's tired so that that's great yeah do it as a way to like an icebreaker or a way to break up the day yeah, I think that's a really good idea yeah and you have a chance to go around and talk to different people and yeah after you get that 
trading of clues and things like that. Kind of like Survivor. Oh, oh. <laughs> without all the without all the physical activity, the drama, yeah, and, <laughs> and the drama, and things like that. <laughs> Although shown around was really trying to create some drama, so I don't know. He did a good she job. Was. She did a good job. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> she was. <laughs> so, Cindy, what was your favorite part of the game that we played? Ooh, favorite part. Ooh, that's a tough question. Um. I'm I'm gonna say if I can explain this, the game itself. I was so intrigued with the the names and the clues and the descriptions and just watching all of that happen and unfold. I, I didn't participate as much because I was just so busy absorbing all that information. So for me, it was just the whole like experience, I said, the story. The it was the story. Yeah. yeah. And when she read the story off at the end and revealed who had, you know, who was the murderer and it was just like, oh my gosh, okay, now we need to do this again because now I know what's going on. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm about ready to throw it on the calendar for October. Let's just do like a Halloween murder mystery. What do you guys think? Oh, There's a horror Halloween mystery on here. There's also called, one called Christmas Capers. Did you uh, say Horror. 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 Not that kind of party. <laughs> Gosh. All right. Monday, October 30th. Yeah, that would be fun. So, Chris, have you ever hosted a virtual party or just the face-to-face -face ones? I haven't, actually. I, I created the handbook. And I, I worked out how to do it. And I've coached some of the other hosts that have uh, uh, been able to do them. Uh, I, I was actually traveling Australia when uh, when I developed the virtual one. So I wasn't really in a fixed location. So I wasn't in a position to do that. But uh, uh, yeah, I've definitely hosted obviously hundreds and hundreds of the face-to-face -face ones. I think the, yeah, the virtual ones... Yeah, it'd be it'd be definitely a different skill set, a different set of challenges that you would face, because in uh, real time, you know, if things are not quite going right, then you've got you can see it; it's right there, and you can physically go in and yeah, that's right. intervene to try and get things back on track. So yeah, definitely a different skill set uh, online. But uh, you know, that's the future, isn't it? We're going to be have have you with your jobs? Have your jobs changed at all with travel and doing more thing meetings online and? You know, my, I work for a bank and here in the United States, it's a pretty large regional bank. And we, of course, everybody was working from home as much as they could um, when the pandemic first struck. But we have reached a point where our CEO wants us in the office as much as possible. And we do still have the flexibility. So if I need to be at home for whatever reason, I can work from home. We've proven that we can do that. But his his belief is that having us in person is it, it's just better for the camaraderie it's better for innovation it's better for um, morale so he wants us all in the office and that's what we've been doing in education and i think that the way it has changed the job is that there are more resources that are available in an electronic format which is really nice so i Pretty much any textbook you buy now is also available in a digital format. And it, it, I feel like it pushed everyone to accept 
digital communication and and all of that as a real thing versus kind of a bleeding edge thing that isn't as good. Yeah, Definitely. I think it, it sped the whole process up, like brought it 10 years mm-hmm. ahead, I think. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, that That's was pretty amazing. In our jobs, it was it was thought that you really had to be in the office to do it. And basically the whole bank, I mean, unless you're a teller or, you know, physically handling um, checks or cash as they come in, you can, you can do that job remotely. And they've, they've, that was a huge revelation for us. The workplace has been become much more flexible as a result. I still think there's a time and place for both. Agreed. Um, I have some I have some parent committees at my school, and I find that when those parent committees meet via Zoom, it's almost the, the energy is different and the result is different. And I think it's different in um, in an inferior way. But there are some things that are just as good online. You know, I think if you're working on a product, you can share it electronically and you can work on it in just an effective way. But when you're, when you're, I don't know, I I think that often people think when they're at home working on something, it's okay to have all of the distractions of home. And that really makes it difficult to keep a good energy and flow. Well, we notice that on our podcast sometimes when we'll we'll have people on um, that maybe have been on for the first time and they'll have people in the background or, you know, it's just different. They don't, it's just different because it's not something that they do all the time. Right. Yeah. For me, I prefer to be in the office and this is a weird turn this conversation took, but for that very reason, I do feel like I'm more focused on my job when I'm at the place that my job happens. <laughs> it's so funny because I feel the opposite. Um, I feel like if I need to do real work, I need to come home and do it. Because if I'm at the office, then I'm a face. Mm. And I'm I'm walking around being a face and chatting with people. And, you know, I guess it's a different, it's a different product. I'm, I'm, I'm probably doing much better at building relationships and doing all of that. But if I need to do 75% of my job, it's way easier <laughs> if I'm at home and I'm not, I'm not dealing with everything else that's going on. Yeah. I mean, that's a difference in our roles too, right? Like when you're in your place of work, you're the leader. So everybody wants, wants your attention. It's different. Yeah. I think, I think you hit it on the head though, is relationships. I mean, I have to be in person to build those relationships and I need those relationships to make my job successful. And so, you know, I I have to be face to face with those kids and Mm -hmm. see what's going on with them and all of that. For me, the, the online was almost impossible. It was just not really very successful, but TC's right. We have a lot more resources and it became something that was possible and we all learned how to do it. We Mm -hmm. all learned how to do that online, whatever we had to do to make it happen. So that was good. I think that that was a good thing. But I was happy when we went back to in-person, no matter how difficult it was, that was still better. If none of that had happened, we might not have been able to play this virtual game 
exactly. today. I mean, that, exactly. that, that product came out of COVID, right? right. So we could have figured yeah. it out. I mean, we were going to, we were going to just buy a version of the game and then try to fumble our way through it as a virtual piece. And then we saw that it came as a virtual option. We were pretty excited. In the early days, uh, that's how we did it. I just took my normal materials and people ran with it and, like you said, probably fumbled through it. Uh, so you could do it, but having the the way of sharing the clues and things just does definitely streamline it, make it uh, a lot easier uh, to coordinate with other people, especially because, uh, like with you guys, you know, we're dealing with literally, what, three quarters, three corners of the globe. If someone was in Australia, someone's in Hawaii, someone's in America, and then uh, where are you, TC? You're on the Virgin Islands, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I'm in yeah. the Virgin Islands. In the Virgin Islands. Yeah, so it, you need a, a system that allows that to happen, definitely. Yeah. But uh, if you guys could do it in person one day, that would be lovely because you get the theatrics, obviously, uh, in a face-to-face -face murder mystery. Someone gets murdered at the start, which is always great. Everyone loves that where they, they die dramatically and br we bring a doctor out from the crowd to try and do CPR or check their pulse or, or whatever. And, uh, yeah, you know, that's always lots of fun. And then, of course, at the end, we have uh, always take handcuffs so we can arrest the murderer at the end and oh, make right. that a, a big dramatic event, which is always lovely. Not Very quite the fun. same online, but it's, uh, you know, you, you do what you need to do to, to make it work. Yeah. Nice. yeah, it was really nice too. As I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to make all this work, there are actually two different handbooks. There's the the regular handbook, then there's the virtual handbook. And I started reading the virtual handbook, and I'm glad that's the one I read first because you read through it, and then um, it says, like, as you're reading, it says read page three in the regular handbook. So you're literally flipping back and forth between both handbooks to get kind of the full story of how to make all this work. Um, and I, I'm sure that as a as an organizer, presenter, whatever, you would get so much better knowing how to work the crowd toward a solution, toward the answer. Definitely. Well, as with teaching, yeah. You know, you you meet your new student and you're like, I've met you 17 times before. I know exactly what I need to do with you. And it's the same thing. Yeah. You get someone who's a little bit intoxicated and you're like, I've seen you before or the person <laughs> that wants to be the center of attention. And, what? Uh, I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> I've met you before. Yeah, so, so you develop strategies and tools that you can use to, uh, to uh, and so your chances of success go up all the time because you're, you're not trying to make things up on the spot, you're drawing from experience. I love that. So Chris, what gets you excited to explore? I guess the thing that, that excites me the most at the moment is, um, so you got your game from our US site, I, I'm in Australia, and that's what's exciting me at the moment is thinking, uh, you know, I've put so much work into writing all these games because each game probably takes. God, it's uh, got to be hours, days, it is. weeks. Days, yeah. I often throw the number 100 hours around. That's probably close to what it would be. It's It takes many weeks and, um, you know, refining and iterations and all those things to get them uh, right. And you think uh, you, you do that on the idea that you'll eventually get that time back because you'll sell them however many times. And 
I know there are some games out there that probably haven't paid for themselves and there's other games that have paid for themselves many, many times over. Um, but what excites me is just the the business side of it at the moment, trying to think of how do I expand it? How do I um, set up in new locations? Google is my friend with that. It's, you know, I do worry sometimes if Google and Google does do this, if one day they decide they don't like me anymore. That's it. It's all gone. So <laughs> it's it, it's as fickle as that in the in the modern world. With uh, what does Google have? Ninety percent of the world's internet search. So yeah. it's uh, yeah, I'm very much under their thumb. But it's been fine so far. For you know, I, I took it over in 2005, and it's been fine since then. Um, but I just set up a new website in Canada. So there's a Canadian only website. Uh, I've got the US website. I've got the Australian, New Zealand. Uh, where are South African, uh, Holland, a British one? So that's that's what gets me excited at the moment. Trying to get it out there, and uh, yeah, have different levels of success. Canada and the US has gone okay. Uh, Australia is obviously where I get most of my sales from, mm-hmm. uh, but also because we've been here the longest as well. So yeah. uh, Google likes it if you you know you stick around for a while, they start <laughs> to trust you, and and uh, you know you get better results from that. But yeah. I, I love that idea of trying to find ways to get it into new locations. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, we definitely appreciate all the effort that you've put in. Um, we want to leave our listeners with a challenge this week to host your own murder mystery game night. Let us know how it goes by using the hashtag Siren Soapbox on all the social medias. And if you need help, we suggest contacting the Murder Mystery Game Company. Chris, Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Would you like to tell our listeners where they can find you? Sure. Uh, depending on which location you're in. So probably start with our Australian website. Uh, it, that's murdermystery.com.au. We also have uh, websites in other countries, but you'll get all the games on the Australian website. So murdermystery.com.au. And we'll put links in our the show description to your websites. So if our listeners want to check out the description, they'll be right there for you to click on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us tonight, thank Chris. You. It's been awesome. And Pam and Cindy, thank you guys for joining us. I am so excited that you came out and played with us. You said yes to our crazy adventure. It was such a good time. And I it hope you had fun time. on tonight's episode as well. Yes, thank I, you. I very loved much. I loved hearing Chris and his explanation for everything. So thank you, Chris. Thank it, you, Chris. It was really good. Good. And Sirens, of course, thank you. I had so much fun playing the Caribbean cruise murder mystery game with all of you. New favorite episode? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> um <laughs> So I know that the audio podcast is a bit hard to follow. So we will have that video up on Patreon soon. You can check it out there. And thank you for spending your time with us. Share this episode with someone you think would enjoy the show. Sharing the show really is the best way to support us. But you can check out our website for other ways to support us as well. And until next time, dive in, stay curious, and be happy. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Siren Soapbox. And a special thank you to C-Strings for providing our music. Snag their latest EP from iTunes today. Follow the Sirens on all the social medias. And don't forget to tell your friends about us. Like and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll catch you next time on another episode of Siren Soapbox.